0: Hey there, and welcome to Work Dope, a podcast on the messiness and the potential of humans at work. I'm Linda Stacy, and this is a mini solo podcast, and I'm jumping right in. One of the key reasons, a key theme for starting Work Dope was, and is, this idea around being valued in the workplace. For years, as I have struggled to feel like my work means something and struggled to make sense of my place in an organization... I would question if I was really valued. I'd have people say to me, you should feel valued in your work. And I've heard lots of employees along the way say, I want to know that I'm valued at work. I hear that in my own workplace and I've heard that in many other workplaces as I've been on speaking engagements and worked inside of organizations and always offered people the opportunity to have like a one-on-one with me afterwards. When people don't feel like they're valued, they often disengage. What does it mean to be disengaged? One of the definitions of workplace engagement is being emotionally and or psychologically invested in one's work. That's how Gallup defines it when they do their engagement survey. So when someone's disengaged, they are not emotionally or psychologically invested in what they're doing. Lacking a sense of connection in one's work can lead to a sense of languishing for the employee. So this really isn't good for the employee on any level. This can, of course, lead to performance issues. And of course, this has impact on the employer and the business. And a final point in this intro section on being valued or not and the consequences, I've been in the workforce long enough and I've read enough, I've been exposed enough to know that all humans want to do well. But many get super frustrated and turn down the dial on engagement over the course of their career. I believe that some of this is rooted in these themes around values and being valued. So being valued, it's been kicking around in my brain for a while. I'm kind of flummoxed by it. I'm confused. I think about my days working in restaurants. There were a lot of years in restaurants. I pretty much worked in restaurants from the time I was i was actually just finishing eighth grade, I think. And the last time I had a restaurant job, I was 35. I did that after I was in my corporate career. I did it for a summer, actually a little bit longer than a summer because I had moved into a condo and I wanted to buy furniture with cash. <laughs> so anyway, there were a lot of years, a lot of restaurants, at least 10 or 12 that I could write down. But anyway, you know, I, I asked myself, you know did did I even concern myself with this sense of feeling valued when I worked in restaurants? I guess I could say that I felt more valued in some restaurants than others, but really I was able to kind of create my own environment. I had my own station. So even if like a manager was kind of a jerk or something, and there were plenty of them in restaurants in any world, but there were plenty of jerks, you know, I could see my own value being played out just in the type of rapport I could generate with, with a table or something like that. So that was kind of nice. And I guess that was um, a, a good way to exercise autonomy early in my work life. I think also about folks who work more than one job their entire life and and like a low wage job. I think of migrant workers because I worked with a lot of them in the restaurant world. Do they concern themselves with notions of being valued? You know, like can folks or do folks with limited resources living in survival mode? And when I say that, I mean, you know, barely making ends meet, um, living paycheck to paycheck. Do folks in a more limited resource environment, have the luxury even of worrying about their perceived value. You know, Is this plight of being valued, is it a first world problem, as they say, only for those with greater resources? And then it just begins to look like some great big paradox. But when I really take a step back, priorities are different depending on our circumstances. And I do believe that it's the human way, or we are kind of driven internally and externally to grow. And so if this is the place where we are in the corporate world where we want to be more realized, more evolved, more self-actualized, as Maslow would say, then being valued is part of the picture. And I think it's worth some focus for those who want to focus on it. Being valued is, in fact, something that's going to be more on our mind as baseline needs are met. So once we've kind of have a financial security or a sense of well-being around that, the needs end up elevating. So moving on to the actual notion of values, having values, knowing your values, is knowing what your values are linked to a sense of being valued in the workplace? I haven't been sure about this, but the more I've been thinking, I think yes. And I think it's worth digging in a little bit here. In my podcast episodes, I've been asking people, any guest, to tell me how they know that they are valued in their work and how this may have changed over the years, and some common themes have emerged. You've probably picked up on them if you've been listening. So especially early in a career, guests often talk about seeking recognition, having their work be noticed, feeling that they're being affirmed or validated in some way by people in their work environment, hopefully their boss. Folks talk about financial compensation, though this is one that people have also said has diminishing returns. A financial boost can feel great for short periods of time, but then it kind of runs out. It doesn't really sustain over time for most people. People talk about public recognition and or recognition by the right person or leader. Folks talk about being invited to the right meetings. They talk about having voice. So am I being invited to share my perspective? And really being included in that conversation and not in a way that just feels like tacit or placated, like they really want to know what I have to say about something. And then, of course, my favorite, one of my guests, Danny Ceballos, said, I know I'm valued. He's like, I don't need anyone to tell me that. And he, of course, wouldn't have said that maybe early in his career, but it's just a firm belief over the growth and the learning and the clients he's worked with and just his experience in in life. And I do think that that is a good place to get uh, mentally, emotionally, that you you just know that you you have value. As human beings, we all have value. I firmly, firmly believe that. I ask guests this question because I want everyone in the audience basically to ask themselves what it means to be valued, what it means to them to know, how do they know that they matter in the organization? My concern is that when folks are not clear on what it means to them to be valued, they won't see it when it happens. And often when folks aren't aware of what good looks like, even if it has nothing to do with values, but they don't really know what good looks like or what they're striving for or what they would desire instead of their current circumstances, they stay in victim and complaining mode. And that is the worst place to be as a human being. Only when and if you know what you're looking for will you begin to see it. So you need to begin to have something positive out there and not just be looking for the things that indicate that your world sucks. If you can begin to know what it looks like to be valued, what are the behaviors that are being extended to you when you're valued, here's something so important. You begin to extend those behaviors outward. So even if you're not seeing them or you're not aware of them in your environment yet, you could begin to extend them outward. There is this Bader-Meinhof effect where you you buy a new car and all of a sudden you see that car everywhere because you're aware of it. It's now a point of focus for you and all of a sudden it appears. I mean, it doesn't mean that that car all of a sudden is in your environment more. It's just that your focus has changed. And I do believe that a lot of folks for pretty valid reasons sometimes do a lot of bitching and complaining, blaming in the workplace. But if they can begin to switch their behaviors, they might begin to have a different experience. In my own work for years, I wanted to be seen in ways I was not being seen, or at least I felt like I wasn't being seen. Part of my own transformation in the same workplace where I've been for years is focusing on the type of energy I wanted to receive. What did I want to receive from our internal customers, the ones that I serve? I mean, basic stuff here. I wanted to be treated like an individual human being, like not some kind of ticket-taking person or something like that. I wanted to feel like people understood me, um, and I wanted to be appreciated as a coworker. I guess that last one is hard to articulate. You know, what are the behaviors that mean that you're appreciated? It means that people are thanking you, that they're reaching out to you, that they're asking you how your weekend was and not just asking you questions in a ticket-taker type of way least in my role. So anyway, I made a shift years ago, a conscious shift to work in this way. Over time, it really has flipped my experience in the very same workplace. My efforts really to increase my humanness, I used more language to ensure that I was understood, and that I was understanding him or her, you know, how could I really convey it actually just In A lot of cases meant making fewer assumptions and really filling in blanks as much as possible, getting almost over explicit. And if that meant that my time was short, it might mean having a phone call or asking someone to come by instead of trying to type it all out. I was trying to still provide the same level of service, even if time wasn't available, but I just would change the mechanism. I began to thank people for reaching out. I began to thank them for submitting a request. I wanted them to now see me as part of their process. I am a part of the process of them getting their work done. This is validating. So again, I'd ask what does it feel like to be valued? What does it feel like to be respected? What are the behaviors shown to you when you know these things are happening? Think of a time when you have felt fully respected and validated. And then I'd say, write those things down, and make a plan to extend those behaviors every single day for the next seven days. Extend one of those behaviors to some person. And if you doesn't have it in the course of the day because you're not tuned in that way, maybe set a timer, do something, set something on your phone, do a reflection in the evening where you could reflect back to a time where you could have extended a behavior that lets someone know that they are valued of course there's variability. Uh, the ways that I want to be validated might not be the same that someone else. And again, I'm also looking to self-validate now. I, it's it's become less, much less external. And what's crazy about this is as you rely more and more on yourself for this, it's almost like some magical elixir and you begin to get more validated from people in your environment. So different people have different values, but I promise that to the extent that we are operating from a sense of values, from some kind of core belief system or something, um, even if our values are different from our coworkers, the energy and the experience will be elevated. You will feel more valued and assured in your work and in your place at work. So I want to talk a little bit about Brene Brown. She talks a lot about values and being valued in the workplace. Um, in her book, Dare to Lead, there's an entire section focused on values. I'm going to be referring to it a bit here. She's, of course, not the only person that talks about this. And I am going to have someone on the podcast in the next couple of weeks who focuses on values and culture in the workplace. So I'll say a little bit about that after I go through some of this Brené stuff. So I've talked about Brene a few times. If you haven't seen her work, she's really interesting. She's got a lot of research on humans and behavior in the workplace, but she sets this tone and this discussion around values in hard moments, you know, when we're really trying to do the right thing, we're trying to be brave, and these can be the most confusing and overwhelming times, and it can be a really good time to have some values to lean on and to know what they are. She says if we're not clear on our values, or even if we can't name them well, we're putting ourselves at a strong disadvantage. She says, if we don't have clarity of values, if we don't have anywhere else to look or focus, if we don't have the light up above to remind us, this is when the cynics and the critics can bring us to our knees. And I'd add here, this isn't just external critics. This is like the internal critic too. This is a straight line to languishing or malaise. This is a way of not taking responsibility. This is the opposite of self-leadership of not having a sense of where you are operating from. And again, it's not you against other people or anything like that. This is, you know, you have these values and you're understanding when they're being violated or not. So Brene is talking about leaders. Her book is focused on leadership, but I really believe that individual contributors need this just as much as leaders do in order to be truly self-led, to know where you stand with competence and confidence, you really need to know what your values are. So she quotes the Oxford English Dictionary. She says, values are principles or standards of behavior, one's judgment of what's important in life. So yeah, this is huge, and knowing what these are for you is important. A value is a way of being or believing that we hold most important. Living into our values means that we do more than profess our values, we practice them, we walk our talk, We are clear about what we believe and hold important, and we take care that our intentions, words, thoughts, and behaviors align to those beliefs. Living into our values requires some upfront work, some contemplation, and to be fair, most of us have never taken the time to do that. So Brene goes through a process where she's listed out tons and tons of values, common values, and she's ultimately asking people to narrow it down to just two She does give you the um, freedom to choose 10 or 15 or something like that. But then to really, really look at the ones that seem to be like the key ones, that all of the other ones that you've marked can kind of roll up into those. I'm going to say a few from her list. I'm just going to jump around a little bit. So she's got like accountability, achievement, adaptability, adventure, altruism, ambition, authenticity, um, generosity, giving back, grace, gratitude, growth, harmony, faith, and courage is there, um, risk-taking, safety, security, self-discipline, it really is going to run the gamut. Something is going to hook for every person reading it. I did this exercise before, and I looked at it again you know, a couple days ago, and I'm like, yeah, growth and compassion really still hold for me. There are two keys, and when I looked at some of the other words there, like I have learning marked, um, I have usefulness marked, I have wisdom marked, but for me, learning and wisdom – they feed into growth for me. That's just, that just makes sense to me intuitively. And the usefulness, being sure, you know, I definitely have that, but I think that falls into compassion for me. So I think that this is a really interesting exercise. Knowing what your values are, this helps you to live in integrity. Are we going to pick what's right according to our values, or are we going to pick what's easy, or I'd say even comfortable? At work, really, it's easier to complain and blame than to look at situations with the lens of, what do I value? How is it being tested in this difficult moment? And how can I move through articulating what is wrong and creating a path to resolution that is beneficial to the people and to the organization? I think when we get into blame and complain, it becomes very, very selfish almost, or very, very personal. And sometimes what's happening, if we can kind of separate from that, I think it can be really helpful. I'm also going to have someone on in the next couple of weeks where we're going to be talking about internal family systems in a way of looking at the way humans behave in such a way that it neutralizes things. So if there's a behavior happening with a coworker or a situation, and to be able to neutralize it by really just talking about the behavior in a way that is separate from the whole person. And that's kind of how I see the values thing too. That the values or ideals, they're reflecting back on a broader situation, not not you know, condemning a human being in it or anything, but just really trying to elevate so that there's resolution and so that we're on the same page working towards the same end goals. So here's something interesting too. Brene says that if you're not taking the time to translate values from ideals to behaviors... If you're not going to teach people the skills they need to show up in a way that's aligned with those values and then create a culture in which you hold one another accountable for staying aligned with those values, you better not profess any values at all. They become a joke. And here again, this is where we need to talk more in the future about the organization values, the team's values versus the personal values. I really want to understand how experts in this area talk about that because you know, are we ultimately all agreeing on the same, like, organizational values? Are those going to be different from our personal values? I, I don't know yet. This is uh, exploratory. <laughs> One of the key, you know, tenets of this podcast was that it was going to be exploration and discovery. She's got this quote, something I just said. Blame is so easy and accountability is such a time suck. Yeah, it's easy to blame and complain, isn't it? It's much harder to work through something to get to the other side. It's uncomfortable. Values call for accountability instead of blame. And she goes on into an exercise. So for each of the values that you've selected, each of the two, to ask yourself three questions. The first one is what are three behaviors that support your value? The second, what are three slippery behaviors that are outside your value? And three, what's an example of a time when you are fully living into this value? So again, she's speaking to leaders, but I really feel like all of us can look at ourselves, you know, how do I operate um, in a way that is aligned with these values. And I just want to say, again, kind of as an aside, I think that when you do this, when you're actually understanding the behaviors, you are more likely to get more validation around this, am I being valued in the workplace? I hope that makes sense to people. And I feel like we should just practice it like, for a few days and see where it goes to really do this exercise to think about what behaviors support the value. So I'll walk through this a little bit with one of mine, right? So growth is one of mine. I actually didn't write out three behaviors that support this value, but like basically I'm constantly reading and listening to podcasts and I almost can't help myself from expanding with Um, the wisdom of other people that has been published or talked about. So that's one for sure. And I kind of have a baseline understanding that I know when the wide world of stuff, how could I possibly even know a small fraction of it? Like I just have a very real understanding that there's so much that I can't even possibly know because the world is so so vast and what's happening for people and everything. So I think that those two things kind of keep me in a constant state of Of growth and expansion in seeking. A slippery behavior for me would be to err on the side of comfort, again, especially dealing with a coworker or a direct report and maybe not giving sufficient feedback, like going easy on someone because I don't want to be uncomfortable. But this is the opposite of me giving myself the opportunity for growth, right? It's just um, you're only going to grow by Allowing yourself to get to a place of discomfort and then to get through it. And the slippery behaviors, again, so that's just one slippery behavior is me maybe choosing comfort because I don't want to hurt someone um, or because I don't want to take the time to be careful about giving better constructive feedback. I think that's definitely one. Um, Or any interpersonal, like, um, difficulty for me. I probably, I don't want to make other people uncomfortable, whatever, but this, this is not, this is not erring on the side of growth. Um, a time that I was fully living into this value, I do recall fairly recently, my husband and I had been looking at the book called Eight Dates, eight as in the number eight. Um, Gottman is the is one of the authors of that book. It's great for any couple that wants to kind of grow stronger together. You go through eight different dates where you do some pre-work and and then you you have the date and you have discussion points and it can be really good. So there was one of them in particular when I knew that I was operating from growth because I stuck with the difficult conversation and uh, the words were difficult for me. I knew that they were uncomfortable for my partner. I mean, both of us were saying things that we knew it was, were hard to say and hard to hear, but I think we both trusted that we were going to be better for the honesty. And, and that right there was the key to growth. And we were both committed to that. So, um, It really can be a beautiful thing. It can be tough when both sides aren't committed. So the workplace can get a little bit more challenged, right, when when it comes to some of these things. Another quote from Brene, regardless of the values you pick, daring leaders who live into their values are never silent about hard things. So again, that does kind of link to what I was just sharing about my own ability, or at least I know I can do it, even though it can be really hard to to stick to the values when things get tough. Again, Brene is not the only one talking about this, and I haven't addressed how a team's or an organization's values, I know how those are separate from our personal values. And is this incongruent? Like, how do we align on this? Is this a problem? This is definitely something that I'm going to be talking to that culture expert that I have on in a few weeks. He does values work in organizations, and I think the discussion will be great addition to what... We've talked about on Work Dope today. So I'm going to end this exploration right here. It's definitely to be continued. Episode 25 is in the books. If you have found this content useful, please subscribe on whatever platform you use Spotify, iTunes, etc. I would love a comment. The more listener activity any show has, the higher the chances that other folks who might enjoy the same kind of content will actually find it. I hope you are doing well in your work and in your life, seeking to up-level the experience for humans in your environment by shoring yourself up and living into your values with integrity, even when things feel like a shit show. As always, please send any comments, messages, send me a note or recorded message to lynda at workdopepod.com. That's Linda at workdopepod.com. Until next time, this is Linda Stacy signing off for Workdope. Bye-bye.